welcome. This is the Dating Counselor Podcast, the show that takes you out of the dating game and into a successful relationship. I'm Lonnie Harmon, and I'm a licensed therapist, and I am the Dating Counselor. Thanks for listening. So what does it take to create a successful relationship? Well, that is the question that I am out to answer in teaching you my new class, The Relationship Screening Method. Go over to thedatingcounselor.com, click under Courses, and learn more about this new course that I'm offering on a virtual platform that also comes with weekly live coaching sessions with yours truly. So that's again, go to thedatingcounselor.com, look under courses and look up the relationship screening method so that you can actually apply the method to then begin creating your successful relationship. I hope you guys enjoy a couple of movie clips as I walk you through this podcast on engagement. I picked out some of my very favorites And I really hope that you can figure out what they are and that they're dear to your heart as well. If, however, your feelings have changed, I would have to tell you. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love, and love, and love you. I never wish to be parted from you from this day on. I'm so excited to be here sharing some of my thoughts about the engagement phase of a relationship. And as I've prepared for this podcast, it's been interesting to me to see how many different perspectives and opinions and um, I I guess just the diversity out there regarding this issue. So I want to acknowledge that. I want to start by just saying like, yeah, it is so different for everybody. And I don't think that there is a perfect way to do this. Um, I think that that's really important to be said uh, that you two as a couple, you find out what works for you. So the thoughts that I wanted to share are related to what I feel like in my experience has been helpful and can be really healthy for many couples. And so I want to just really go into like, like why we do it. um, Like what's the purpose behind it and share some stories with you about um, engagements that um, people have sent me, um, just cute stories. I thought that was, it's really fun to share those. And then I'm going to share with you um, my engagement stories. And that's right. That's plural. I was engaged back in the day. (laughs) Um, And then I was also obviously engaged before I married my husband. So I'm engaged twice, married once. That's, that's a me. I'm excited to um, share that with you and um, deal with the vulnerability that happens after you share something like that. So let's first talk about like, why, why, why engagement? What's it about? Where does it come from? So engagement is something that is a cultural thing. It happens differently in many different cultures. And I'm going to speak to culture that I see in the United States and particularly in the Western United States. 
and then um, go even further into that and talking a little bit about um, what I see inside of the Utah culture. And that can be LDS or non-LDS. So fiance is the word that we use to say, yes, we are engaged. And that is French. And it means betrothed, um, intended, um, basically you're engaged to be married. And when we look at that culturally, there are a lot of different reasons that we do that um, and different ways in which we do that. So why we do that, I think, is because of communication. We are looking to communicate to our partner that we intend to marry them. And it's our way of asking, will you marry me? And that communication is something that hopefully you've spoken of prior to an actual official proposal um, and maybe something that you're not on the same page with. Maybe it's a little bit of a journey to get there to the same page. I think it's important that you're on the same page, to be honest with you, but I've, I've been gathering stories and things um, where people weren't necessarily on the same page and then that led them to be on the same page. So again, you know, to each his own. But the, the communication between the two of you is essential as you um, are looking forward to becoming engaged and intending to marry each other. So the actual official proposal is what is seen as uh, one of the partners getting down on their knee, um, symbolizing humility, presenting them a ring and saying, will you marry me? And sometimes they will do this in a setting that is special to the couple or they will, um, you know, plan something romantic. A lot of romantic symbols are candles and roses and other types of flowers, or maybe it's like a beach on a sunset or a mountaintop, or like I mentioned, just like a location that is special to you as a couple. And as they're doing that, they may be saying more words besides, will you marry me? But um, that's the official proposal. And again, kind of that official communication piece of saying we both um, agree that we are intending to be married. So then the ring becomes a symbol of that intention. And again, this kind of comes back to that communication. It's saying we officially agree and we officially intend to be married. And here is a symbol of our intention. I've seen both partners wearing rings nowadays. I don't think it has to just be one over the other. And when it comes to like choosing a ring, I think that it's important to have that discussion together but I also feel like you can't get really burdened down on um, we don't have this amount of money for this or this thing. I think if you if you both agree that the symbol is important, then find something that works for you to create that symbol. And I feel like if um, it's important for one partner to be able to provide a ring that you really like and that's important to you, like maybe this is going to be controversial, but let them, you know. Show them what you like, and if you can work it into a budget that works both for you, great for you, that's great. But also, just like if they want to provide that for you, let them provide that for you. That makes them happy, and that's a symbol, I think, to to them of um, their intention and and their love for you. And I don't think the size of the diamond means the size of the love. That's not what I'm saying at all. But just that um, I see some couples getting into a lot of disagreements about this and kind of their first finances fight. And it's a tricky situation because it's, I, I don't know, I feel like there are certain symbols of the wedding that each partner may imagine and think about and it is, has become really important to them as they've imagined this stage of their life. And 
And if you don't, you know, treat that with respect, then sometimes that can lead to a lot of arguments. And so I would really look at like, well, what is the meaning behind that for you? And what do you feel like that would carry? And, you know, some of these things. So in communicating the intention to be married and then wearing the symbol of rings, at that point, you then decide to plan the wedding, set the wedding date, begin purchasing the items for the wedding and move forward with announcing it to family and friends and declaring your, again, your intention to marry. Um, a lot of people are doing save the dates, either electronically or through mail, letting people know that this is what's happening and we'd really love for you to celebrate with us. And so please save this date. And as they're doing that, I think what they're doing is further communicating, right? So let's pause here for a minute and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about that whole wedding planning piece. Hello. So this part is what I like to say. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. True love and marriage. And I really, really hope you know that movie quote. The Princess Bride. Maybe it's not of your generation. <laughs> it certainly is of mine. Um, so when you are become engaged, this is like the gateway to then starting to plan the wedding. And as you plan the wedding, you're looking at what type of wedding you would like, big, medium, small, um, a destination away from where you live um, that you both like, or something close to home, uh, location, number of guests, wedding attire, all these types of things. This phase can be so magical and so overwhelming, right? You're coming together to plan our wedding, and you're also looking at your budget and your, you know, family's availability. And then everyone seems like they want to have their opinion about what you should or shouldn't do. The Pinterest board that you pieced together lovingly suddenly looks very expensive and or out of date. And you may be thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I've been so excited for this phase of my life. Why didn't I plan better? <laughs> oh, and I, I think that's just very common and sometimes why people take some time in the engagement phase to be married because they really want to plan a day that is memorable for everybody that is involved but specifically for the couple for you guys as partners so whatever timeline you set is is up to you i think it's important in this phase though to enjoy the celebrations that are around it, the bridal showers, the engagement parties, the 
bachelor or bachelorette parties that you might have with your friends because this is the time for everybody to celebrate you and for you to gather yourself and surround yourself with the people that love you. My view of a wedding and a reception is a little bit uh, more emotionally based, I think, than just the traditional, like I, you know, want to be in the white dress and have my guy in the tux kind of thing. Um, I look at the wedding as the opportunity for you to say, like, this is the day that we started our family. And we decided to wear the traditional wear, so to speak, because that felt comfortable to us. And we wanted to show that to each other and and be in that space. Many people that I have worked with are really uncomfortable with the idea of kind of being on display, being on show, and, you know, everyone looking at them and they don't really feel comfortable in the spotlight. So the idea of being the person's dressed in wedding attire just feels very, very uncomfortable. That's okay. Like acknowledge that. But also sometimes just like, it's just for the two of you, you know, it's that symbolism kind of that, again, that communication. And I personally feel like it's really special to see your partner in, in the cultural wear, so to speak of, of a wedding, because it's again, further signifying their commitment uh, to feel uncomfortable in front of other people because they want to show up for you and look nice for you and, um, you know, be in that moment with you. And the party, the people that are coming are the people that are coming to say, hey, I love you and I support you. And so I really feel like the party is for you to say, hey, we'd really love for you to come and support us as we start our life together. And just to show you how much we want you to be in our life and how much we want you to support us, like we're going to buy you some dinner or we're going to buy you some really nice desserts or we're going to do something for you that says thank you so much for being a part of our life and we hope that you can now meet my intended if you haven't and, you know, wish us well and we can introduce them to you if they haven't done so already. And we can just begin that journey together and allocating the support of the people that are going to care for us and love us. That, that to me is the purpose behind a reception because I feel like you're honoring them and saying thank you for supporting us. And we hope that you will choose to support us because Again, remember, marriage is communication to each other and to other people. It signifies a stage in a relationship that is, uh, you know, an outward commitment to other people saying, like, I'm not going to date other people. I'm not going to be, you know, in places where you're not supposed to be if you are in a committed relationship. And I am going to treat that delicately. And I'm going to be I'm going to be choosing to show my love for my partner in this way. And I'm thankful that everyone can come share that with us. So then the the videos and the photography and all those types of things then become symbols of, or are maybe not symbols, relics of the that day that we celebrate. And I feel like they become images of the day that your family started. Now I've been married for nine and a half years, almost 10 this next spring. And um, we've been together 10 years. And my children are at an age where they really love and enjoy watching our wedding video. They just think that it is so magical to see the day that mommy and daddy got married and they love to see what we were wearing and what we ate and who was there. And they recognize some of the people obviously because they're still in our lives. And this has just become something that they really enjoy doing and they could watch it over and over again. And I'm really grateful that we have that. That to me is about the marriage and the planning. 
think. The thing is, I love you. What? I love you. How do you expect me to respond to this? How about you love me too? How about I'm leaving? Doesn't what I said mean anything to you? I'm sorry, Harry. I know it's New Year's Eve. I know you're feeling lonely, but you just can't show up here. Tell me you love me and expect that to make everything all right. It doesn't work this way. How does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely. And it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. So I want to share some really cute engagement stories that were shared with me, and I hope that you enjoy them as much as I did. A friend of mine um, told me she was living in Arizona, and her um, intended, her boyfriend was in school up here in Utah, and he flew down there for the week, and then he surprised her with the four-day trip to New York City, which just sounds so romantic to me. I think traveling when you're in love is so fun. <laughs> so then he proposed to her on the top of the Empire State Building, which is just like every rom-com girl's dream, right? Except for that she was really scared of heights and it was really cold. <laughs> and they, so they just went into like the little observation room. And so there was a lot of people. He couldn't get down on his knee and he was really nervous. And so when he opened the box, the ring came flying out and she caught it. And she's like, I don't even know a single thing he said. Um, but it all worked out in the end. And I said, yes, I just thought that was the sweetest, cutest story. Here is another cute one. Another friend of mine, she went to his parents' house to watch a football game and she just showed up in sweats to just like hang out. And then during halftime, his sister asked her for help in the backyard. And then when she walked out, she saw candles and like a pathway leading to ro with roses and that lead led to a fire and chocolate covered strawberries and sparkling cider. And she says, my handsome man was waiting for me. He got down on one knee and it was very traditional and romantic, just like him. Which I thought was really sweet. This is a friend of mine who um, I had asked about her experience. And she said, we had previously talked about getting married, um, but I wasn't ready. And I was really overwhelmed by the idea. So we were visiting my hometown and driving to see some friends. And he told me he was really serious. And he had talked to my mom and he was ready and he wanted to marry me. So I said, yes. And we got a ring later, but we consider this to be our official engagement right then, which I think is really sweet. Another friend of mine, she says, we had talked about marriage and even looked at rings. I went down to Peru with my family over Christmas and New Year's. My um, now husband stayed home with the ring burning a hole in his pocket. The original plan was to get engaged a couple days after I got home, around the first part of January, but he waited an extra, oh, an extra week. 
During that week, he did something really sweet and unexpected for me every single day, like roses at work or a cute stuffed animal in my bed when I got home from school, etc. And then on Saturday, maybe it was a Friday, I don't even remember, which is funny. He picked me up for a date and drove me to the airport and we boarded a tiny four seat plane. I went in the front. The pilot said no. Um, I had to get in the back. And so halfway through the flight, um, I got hit in the head with a million roses because her her, her boyfriend um, had a hard time reaching them after takeoff. And then he was trying to give them to her. She said it was really loud and her headphones were in the way, but he proposed and I said yes. And then we looked up at the pilot and he was holding a camcorder and filming us. Uh, when we landed, both of our parents were there and plus some other family members. And he surprised me with every detail, but I picked out the ring. I thought that was really, really sweet. Another friend of mine says he put a ring on our dog's collar and he took me for a drive and took me, and it took me like four hours to notice the ring on the dog's collar. Then he pulled over and got down on his knee. Um, she says, I think we both knew that we didn't want to involve anyone else. And it was perfect for us. We went home and called our families. And then later that night, we went to my parents' house for dinner um, and they didn't know. Um, it, they did know it was coming, but they just didn't know it was when. So that, I thought that was really cute. So the question that I kind of was polling some of my friends with, did one of you officially propose like getting down on a knee and offering a ring? Was there a location for the official proposal? And was there planning that it went into the proposal? So this one was from one of my family members, um, an extended family member. And I just said, why did you feel like it was important to do all of these three things? And his response was, it's a big event to ask someone to be with you for the rest of your life. I wanted it to be special and something that we would remember. It was on TV, so it had to be planned out and in a specific location. It's so fun to hear these engagement stories and to really think about, you know, the effort that was put into it and, you know, what it means to the couple and the symbolism of that moment and the story that you tell throughout your life. I had a sweet friend write in and kind of tell me, I think, what is a story of, of um, a bittersweet engagement that turned out really well later. She says, he proposed to me in my parents' family room. I ran upstairs to do something, and he wasn't really feeling well, and he got down on one knee, but then he fell asleep. So I came down with him laying on the couch with a ring in his hand. <laughs> and she says, no, bless her heart. She says, but on our 20th anniversary, he re-proposed with a new ring and he even planned an entire recommitment ceremony with a cake and everything. So I kind of quizzed her down and said, why do you feel like it was important to him to re-propose and have that commitment ceremony? And she says, because he knew he felt like he didn't put a lot of effort into his original proposal. And I was, and I had always felt a little cheated. And I really appreciated that, that, that they were able to be open enough to say like, hey, that wasn't something that I felt really um, symbolized the effort and love that we have for each other. And she just said, you know, it was his way of showing me that through all that we'd been through, um, that our commitment to each other is most important. And she said it was really fun to have our kids and our families there. So I thought that was really sweet. Just these beautiful engagement stories. The, the important point here is that you want to make it your own and you want to think about what is it going to be that will make your partner feel loved and cherished and happy. And it's my opinion, again, my opinion, that you should wait to start planning the wedding, purchasing items for the wedding and making announcements about the wedding until you have an official proposal or what to the two of you is an official proposal. 
Again, this comes down to communication. And I also think the reason it's important is because the communication that you're giving each other in that moment is also an emotional experience for both of you. Commitment is an actual physical behavior that we do and we offer each other, but it's a emotion as well. It's you going through the, oh my gosh, can I make him or her happy? And can I, you know, do this? Do I feel like I have what it takes to commit to the work and to the joy and to the sorrow? And do I really have it in me? And am I willing to try? And that's an emotional experience. I think also when you have an official proposal and you put some money on it, sounds a little bit weird, but when you purchase a ring and you put some money on it, it's really clear with your intention. And a lot of times people will also ask a parent's permission for their uh, hand in marriage. And I think that's a beautiful symbol too, and kind of an emotional experience and process that you go through. So I'm going to share with you my engagement stories now. And uh, I think you can, you'll be able to see clearly why I came to the opinions that I have about this experience based on these stories. So the first story goes a little bit like this. And to be honest with you, I've never really spoken of this publicly before. So again, here's to vulnerability. So I served a mission and I came home in the spring and in the fall, I decided to plan a mission reunion and held it in my area in uh, Mill Creek area in, in Utah. It was around general conference weekend and we had a lot of people come in. It was really fun, really well attended and just ended up kind of carrying the reunion into the weekend. And some of us went and saw a general conference together or we played basketball at the church or went for walks. And um, there was one elder that I had met my very last day on the mission and to be honest with you, I wasn't super impressed with him. I had heard really, really good things. And so I was excited to meet him, but he, he made a sister missionary joke about my luggage weight and I wasn't having it. I had put up with that for 18 months and I was like, "Mm -mm, you're not doing that. So he came that weekend and I could see in, in him what other people had seen in him and had told me about him. And And we all just got along and had a really great weekend. And he hadn't been to Salt Lake City before he was a convert. And so we traveled around and toured around and he got to hang out with my family. And when he was going back to his hometown, he said, you know, can I get your phone number? And he called me on the way and said, I'd really love to come back to Utah and take you on a date. Would you be willing to go with me? And I said, yeah. I mean, I was really surprised to be honest with you because I was really naive about men and boys and interests and things still at that point in my life being 23, still struggling to figure out what it looked like when a guy was interested in me (sighs) all the days. So I said, yes. And we ended up chatting on the phone. Um, I literally just got a cell phone when I got home from my mission. So it was an old flip phone. And this is back when text messages cost money to go back and forth. It wasn't like an unlimited plan. So we talked more than we texted and just kind of spent some time getting to know each other. And so by the time he came back up to Utah, I think it was probably about two weeks later. Again, the timeline's a little bit vague to me, but we were pretty serious about each other by the time we got to our first date. So I have a lot to say about that because we didn't do video chatting. That wasn't a thing. And obviously we had flip phone, flip phones. So we're not even like really sharing pictures or trying to involve each other 
in each other's world. There wasn't like the Marco Polo app where we could video and I could hear inflection and tone and intention and all these little things that I feel like technology today offers you when it comes to getting to know somebody who lives out of state. And so I feel like I'd gotten to know a man on the phone that that was part of who he was, but it wasn't all of who he was. And so when he came to Utah to take me on a date, everything just seemed as though I was in, he was in, we were committed. And like, this was just a box that we had to check off. Like, I guess we should go on a date to make it official, which seemed odd to me, but it was a sister missionary thought of mine that I would come home and my next relationship would be the one that I would then marry. So I really got caught up in that thought and let things move forward and didn't push pause on things or seek clarification or really do the best job of communicating because I just thought this, this must be what it looks like. So we went on, you know, two and three dates that week and that he was up here and then I made arrangements to go to where he lived, met his, um, excuse me, met his family, sweetest, kindest people, met some of his friends, again, really good people. And enjoyed the weekend with him, but also just still so different, like getting to know him in person versus on the phone. And just like little differences started creeping up that now I look back on it and I should have pushed pause and had a conversation. And it's not like, I don't know, something that I think at the time I thought was a big deal. And I'll just give you like a casual example. So I remember when I was visiting his hometown, I just got really stressed out. I think I got dehydrated and I got a really, really bad headache. And for me, when I get a headache, I take uh, some medication, like an over-the-counter medication. And he, for whatever reason, I didn't connect the dots that he either didn't have it at his house or he just didn't want to go get it or what. But we were, you know, using like pressure points and massage of my temples and things to try to alleviate the headache and try to get me to breathe and de-stress. Now I totally agree with those things. I think that they are great, but I was at a point where I knew that those things needed to be have done, been done hours earlier if they were going to take the headache away and the headache needed medication and hydration. And I didn't really feel like I was being listened to. And I didn't, after I was assertive two or three times in a kind way and it wasn't listened to, I just stopped. I didn't, I didn't push it farther, which again, I should have, I should have. And it's my fault for not doing that because then in turn, what happened is that I built resentment up and felt like, Hmm, that's really weird that he wouldn't listen to me and I didn't communicate it. So what can he do about it if I'm not communicating? Right. And again, this, this to me was just an issue because I wanted to know, do you believe in medication? Is that something that's important to you? Um, do you not? Because if we had differences there and to this day, honestly, I still don't know if we had differences there for sure. I suspect that we do because I saw that issue come up a couple of other times, but I really don't know if we do or not because I didn't ask. And the relationship in all total full transparency was probably like three and a half, four months of my life. So that, that was something I should have paused to spoken about, but again, didn't. And Then he came back and saw me and they were making plans for him to move to Utah. And at this point it was, yes, let's get married. Yes, we're so in love. This is going to be so magical and so wonderful. So let's just get you moved here and then we'll move, move forward. So before he moved there, I started thinking about the wedding and what I wanted to do and how I wanted it to be. And I I was the first in my family to potentially get engaged or have that relationship move forward in that way. So 
caught up in my excitement, I went wedding dress shopping with my mom. Here's a little inside tip about bridal stores. They're magical and they do that on purpose because you walk in and you just start having your moment where you imagine yourself as the bride and whether you want to be the center of attention or not, you want to try on that dress and you want to try on more dresses and you want to be admired. And maybe you don't, most of the people I've talked to, (laughs) again, maybe it's a cultural thing. I don't know. But we went into that and they're incentivized to put a dress on you and offer you a price on it if you take it out the store today. So number one, numero uno, if you don't want to buy a dress, don't go dress shopping because you're going to get a, de- a better deal and they're going to say, you know, that's going to take this many weeks to get it in. So you need to order it today and put money down and you need to do all these things because they're going to freak you out. They're going to completely freak you out that this is something that you have to have to do. So it was like a weeknight. It was me and my mom at the store and I came out in a dress and it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. I look back on it and it's not a style I would have thought about until I had put it on. My mom cried. We had the moment. Uh, we looked at the price. It was pretty reasonable. And they you know, gave me the pitch and she said, you know, are you in love with him? Are you actually going to marry him? Because if you are, I will buy you this dress right now. But if you're not, let's just go home. Because again, this was just going to be a so, hey, fun time. Let's go try on dresses. And I said, yeah, I really feel like we're going to get married. And I like him a lot. And let's do it. And so my mom bought the dress and we came home. And she went in and got the veil. And we tried it on for the family. And it was just like everyone's so excited. And yay me, right? So by the time he gets here... I told him, you know, hey, I've purchased a dress and we're saying I love you. And we've been together three weekends, one of which was our first time meeting. Okay. So he moves here and he moves into a little, um, literally cottage around the, around the neighborhood. And we start moving him in and getting to know each other. And I'm just like, this is weird. This is like things that I had thought about over weekends that we've been together and should have talked about like just started coming right into my face. I was like, we're different. We're not the same. We're this or that. Like, and I, I could go on and on about what the differences were, but bottom line is that he'd lived there for a couple of weeks and it ended up being my birthday and I was turning 23. And I thought that morning, like things just don't feel right. I want to talk to him. And I think we had this intention of getting married in a few months. And I thought, I'm just going to pause. I think we should just pause on all of that. And let's get him settled here and let's just date each other and make sure that we know each other really well and that I know how to love this guy because I don't know that I do and I don't know if he knows how to love me. So I walked into my house with the intention of like having that conversation that day. But as I went around the corner, he got down on his knee in front of my mom and my sister and he proposed. And because I thought that I knew what I wanted and I thought that this was the moment I was waiting for, I said yes even though I know in that moment I was not ready and I am a people pleaser and I didn't want to let him down. So I said, yes. And we called our families and I expected to feel really excited, but I felt really overwhelmed. So overwhelmed wasn't necessarily a new feeling for me. So I just rode, I rode the wave. Um, fast forward a week, two weeks, we're trying to plan and I'm just not happy and I'm trying really hard and I'm just finding more and more things that we're not compatible with. And I'm just feeling more sad 
and really unsure what to do. And I start shutting down. Like I'm not talking. I'm just kind of going through the motions. My mom calls me out on it and my dad and we just had like a family council, the three of us, my parents and I, so I guess not family parental council. And they pulled out of me what was really going on in my heart. And I just basically let them know I'm super confused. And they said, have you communicated that with him? I said, no. So I, they encouraged me to, I communicated with him and said, just give me a day or two to like figure out what it is that I need to say, because when we're together, I feel pressure to make sure that you're happy over me. So he was kind, gave me some space, but didn't really, because I'm getting like poems on my door and flowers on my door. And, and it just felt like so much. So we circled back to, Hey, let's date. And if we can date, uh, then that'd be great. And he said, no, if we're not going to be married, then I don't really want to just like live here and see maybe if it works out. And I get that because I had said, I might have to go on dates with a couple of other people, which to me was really what I should have said is I want to break up with you. Cause if I need to go to that level with you and I still need to go on to, I want to date you and other people, I'm taking like 75 steps back, not just like, Hey, let's get to know each other better. So I get that. And I'm, I think it's probably for the best that he did say no and he moved and I literally haven't seen him since. And the post breakup was the worst and I was super depressed and I was so mad at myself. I couldn't believe I had done that to him and to my family and to myself. And I was, you know, I went through the, I'm mad at God and I'm mad at society and I'm mad at everything. And I just kind of went into a shell and didn't come out of it for many, many years. The good news of this story is that I knew exactly what I wanted and I knew that I needed to figure myself out and I needed to find the right person. So fast forward, how many years I was 31 when we got engaged, so 23 to 31. And my sweet husband planned the most beautiful proposal. Um, I had talked to him about what had happened before and how I was so uncomfortable and how it was like, I wanted people to be there, but like I didn't because it's just so nerve wracking and I feel like I'm on display and it just felt really embarrassing. And I didn't, I was like, I don't know what you want to do with that. Like it was me saying like, I want people there, but I don't. And he was like, okay. (laughs) And then the ring shopping thing, like my previous experience ring shopping was pretty hard. I felt really shamed. I felt really stupid for showing, he asked what I wanted and then I showed him what I wanted and I felt really shamed for wanting that and went into like this like cave of, do I really want that? And I can't believe I'm so selfish kind of feeling. And you know, my husband, when we went ring shopping, I just said, I'm going to show you what I want and I don't, you don't have to get this, but I want you to, to know so that you have like a clear picture of what that looks like for you. And he said, great, you know, and he, I showed him what I wanted and he ended up getting me that exact thing. And it was, it's very sparkly. It's very beautiful. And what he did is he rented out a movie theater and he, um, took me in after the lights were closed, excuse me, the lights were off. And he proposed after the movie was over and the credits were done, a sign came up on the movie screen that says, that said my name and said, will you marry me? And he got down on his knee and he gave me the ring. And I, I, there were people that had stayed in the theater, but I thought that it was just like people, cause he said, Oh, I think there's this, you know, after the show show. And so as I looked around, I didn't recognize anybody. So I just thought how random strangers are here witnessing our engagement. That's, that's how fun, you know, cause it was on Valentine's day, which is also special. But then 
he's pointed out that my family and his family and our friends were in the theater and he had told them to be there earlier and told them to sit around, you know, and what and wait for it so that uh, they could be there to watch, but that I wouldn't know. So can you think about like how genius that is? Like, I'm like, I want people to be there, but I don't, I want it to be just us. So in a way it was just us, but then other people watched and he had my brother-in-law film the, the proposal and so we have it on camera at the whole surprise and everything. And it's just really special. And something my children like to watch. And we love to watch every engagement anniversary, which is Valentine's Day. So, so special. I guarantee that we'll have tough times. And I guarantee that at some point, one or both of us will want to get out. But I also guarantee that if I don't ask you to be mine, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. Because I know in my heart, you're the only one for me. Oh, I just love that one from Runaway Bride. And I hope that you enjoyed that one as much as I did. I feel like that's one of those engagements that rings true to how we feel. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And I really, truly hope that you got something out of this episode of the engagement stage of a relationship. Um, here is to all of you and wishing you the best on your journey. And I just want to say that I feel like Beyonce said it best when she said, if you like it, you should have put a ring on it. So if you like it, Put a ring on it. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to the Dating Counselor podcast, where I help you build a successful relationship. It would mean so much to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast so that we can change the way dating is happening and everybody can have a successful experience. If you do, please send me a screenshot. I would love to see your review and share it on my social media. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one. Peace and blessings. This podcast and the social media associated with it represents the opinions of Lonnie K. Harmon, LCSW, and her guests to the show. The content here is intended to be psychoeducational and should not be taken as specific mental health advice. The content here is for informational and educational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your mental health professional for any mental health questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are her own and that of her guests to the show. 
While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Privacy is of, is of utmost importance to us. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect client confidentiality. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapist-client relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast, please send a message to Lonnie at Lonnie at MillCreek-Counseling.com. That's Lonnie, L-O-N-I, at MillCreek-Counseling.com.